0: Welcome to the One Life podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman. I'm one of your co hosts. I'm joined, as always, by co host of the podcast and our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. What's up, Brett?
1: A uh, whole lot because we're back. We're back. And this, it's we're been actually a while. doing this. It has been a while. What if anybody actually notices. I've always wondered that.
0: I know Krista does okay yeah. that's true she said something to me yesterday <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay my own wife notices yep. well that's a good sign yep. yeah. she
0: said she was actually behind i was like it's okay it's been a month since we made an episode right. and there's yeah. a reason for that we'll talk about that here a little bit on this episode and um yeah some things that we're working on trying to do a little bit differently and i'm excited about it but um we are in a series at one life church um and again you can find that information listen to any messages from the past at onelifechurch.org um, also, I need to say that there's no camera and I keep looking at it.
1: I noticed that. Yeah. I just keep looking at it. You're doing a great line. job with that. Thank if you. there were a camera there, you'd be doing excellent.
0: Yeah, we're making some changes, trying to work, um, you know, maximize our workflow and the time that we have, the resource that we have to make this and, and get information across. But you can go to onelifechurch.org. Uh, you can find the messages that we're doing. And Brett's been doing a series on spiritual power. Okay. <laughs> Anything you want to say? That, about that's my cue. Yeah, okay. Know. Tell well, us a little bit about the series. It is coming
1: Brett. on. Yes, it is coming on. We're going through Luke. We've been doing that for over a year, and we came to Luke chapter eleven, which was all about prayer. It's Jesus teaching on prayer, and as we went through Jesus teaching on prayer, at the end of it, He says, "How much more will He give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him?" And so, it seemed like a, we were having a discussion as a staff where we were talking about mm-hmm. uh, God moving in power and God moving in by His Holy Spirit and, and, and answering prayers and all of that. And I think someone suggested, I think. It was uh, uh, Jimmy, who is our, our graphics and uh, art guy. And uh, the, he talked about another church that really talked about these things and more uh, just getting down to the details of what is that all about? And, and, and let's have a discussion about this. So we we went ahead and just kind of put pause on Luke and or in 1 Corinthians chapter 12-14 through where it talks about the spiritual gifts and the operation of the Holy Spirit in and through believers in a church context. And so we're talking about that as openly as we can. My goal is... To make every, to kind of de weirdify the whole thing for people because we have people from all across denominational backgrounds here at the church. I know we do. I've met people yeah. that are Catholic background and very Pentecostal background, no background, everything. And we're trying to make it accessible, uh, the works of the Spirit accessible to people in a de weirdified manner. That's kind of the goal, I guess. So, but, I, but I want to have these conversations uh, because I think that helps with that. Uh, let's have a place and a context where we can ask questions, we can talk about things that people wonder about.
0: Absolutely, and we started talking about people we wanted to have conversations with, have some guests on here um, a while back, and one of the first people I thought of was Ubi. Uh, and I've known Ubi for a few years now, and, and really in the last, really this year, <laughs> I've got to know Ubi better, um, working on a podcast that he's been hosting uh, with his friend Josh Calhoun called Sessions on Life, which you can find that anywhere you find podcasts, and that is a plug for that. So That is
2: Thank a very cool name, yeah, incidentally, yeah, Sessions it, on Life. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Man, Wish we would have got that name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ubi's great with like, like giving the acronyms for everything. And I, yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So,
1: yeah.
0: um, yeah. but yeah, so Sessions on Life has been going on for 29 weeks now yes. and, and really the, the heart yes. behind Ubi and, and Josh were to come in and to give a space for people who are learning, maybe growing in faith or learning some things in faith and get some of the basic understandings of that. So, uh, they do four episodes on one topic and it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. So. Uh, I've been lucky to be able to be a part of that a little bit. So. Thank you for being a part of it. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Been it's been fun. We jam. do it every week. But one of the conversations that um, uh, after one of the episodes, we were hanging out, and we started talking, uh, you, me, and Austin Maxheimer, and Austin's been on um, the epi- uh, podcast here before, and we're talking about kind of spiritual power things, and I yeah. remember thinking, like, that'd be a really good conversation to have. And so you were refer- one of the first people I thought of that I wanted <sighs> to have. A conversation with, um, on spiritual power. So, um, Ubi, can you just introduce yourself a little bit to us? Tell us a little bit about you. Maybe someone, um, get to know you a little bit better. Okay.
2: Uh, I'll, I'll start by saying I am by no means an expert on spiritual power, <laughs> but, <laughs> but close to an expert. <laughs> 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 just a few more years and you will be. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Just, just a few Absolutely. more years. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Um, well, my name is Ubi Ntewo. Um, born in the United States, grew up in Nigeria, Africa. Um, Grew up in a Catholic family, so, um, you know, was exposed to liturgy and um, catechism. You know, I I remember growing up going to catechism, and, uh, you know, the first two questions in catechism are, who made you? The answer is God made me. Why did God make you? God made me to love him, to be with him, to enjoy him forever. Um, Served as an altar boy. Years later, moved uh, moved to the United States when I was uh, probably 19, and about... um, yeah, that's right. Around uh, nineteen ninety seven, winter of nineteen uh, February of nineteen ninety seven, um, spring of two thousand, um, had just had an encounter with Jesus, mm. and and he saved me. So, um, post conversion, my first um, my f- uh, the first church I fellowshiped with was um, uh, a black, you know, it was an African American church, charismatic, um, really, really, I mean, amazing people, and that was where I first. Well, I, I want to say that's why. As a believer, that was why I first experienced um, or saw was in an environment where there was this belief and expectation that God would show up in supernatural ways. And um, it was just really new. And at that point, you know, I was reading scripture. So it wasn't it, re- it wasn't difficult. Even though it was new, it wasn't difficult to because, you know, I read it in the Bible, you know, especially in the book of Acts um, and in the Gospels. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, the Bible says this, and these you know these people expected it. it. Just makes perfect sense. If mm-hmm. if the book says it, then there should be some expectation that it would happen um, in in their space and time. Of course, it wasn't until much later that I discovered that there was actually a debate whether supernatural power should be expected in our in our spaces in our time. Um, but then I moved to um, I moved to Evansville, Indiana. Um, in 2003 to attend a ministry and discipleship school called the Master's Commission. And of course, at that time, uh, Master's Commission, this particular Master's Commission, Evansville Master's Commission, was under the umbrella of an Assemblies of God church. At this point, I had no idea what uh, the Assemblies of God was. Growing up Catholic, I didn't know anything about the Protestant um, tradition. So, I I mean, I didn't know that you had... um, different denominations. I didn't know that Protestants <laughs> even had Bible college or I literally was a neophyte, if you want to say that. I knew nothing about it. Um, so I came to Master's Commission, a school that was under the umbrella of um, a Pentecostal you know, church. In my opinion, um, I'd venture to say that the Assemblies of God is probably the most sober um, and respected uh, Pentecostal cooperation or fellowship out there. But there again, I got to actually experience and see uh, more of you know more of a culture where there's this expectation of supernatural power now um prior to my departure from d c to um, Evansville I you know I'd been doing a lot of studying and reading, and of course, at this time again, I had no idea that a lot of what I was studying and reading would have fallen under. Um, the reformed tradition, you know um, the doctrines of grace, the sovereignty of God, those kind of things i just i you know I, I was just studying them, and it made sense because I could see it in the Bible right you know and then I come to a tradition in Evansville that is more so Armenian and more um, you know supernatural based um, so a few years later, probably about a a decade later um you know, at this time I'd graduated from the school, I'd served as assistant director for about six or seven years, and eventually was asked, asked to take the position of director of the school. Um, the church of the school was underwent through a transition, so a new pastor comes in and he says, well, you know, I don't think um, the, existence of, the existence of the school is consistent with the vision God's given him, so he decided to close the school. Oh, wow well at this point i i didn't I, you know i i knew i wasn't pentecostal so i was like well i've been here primarily to train and you know raise the students to um just you know to grow in their in their love for the lord to grow in ministry or to do ministry so um when he closed the school i was like well you know there's really no need um for me to be in a church or in a fellowship that i don't um identify with especially theologically mm-hmm. so um so I started searching, and I remembered I would had conversations, you know, a, a number of times with one or two people, and every time they said, "Hey, dude, you 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 must be Bapt- your theology is Baptist." So I said, "Okay, that's really interesting." So I basically researched some Baptist churches, and I came across um, Oak Hill Baptist Church. Yeah, interesting, which is like literally a stone's throw away from Oak Hill Christian Center, which is the church I was going to. Oh wow! Um, you know, so I started attending. Um, Oak Hill uh, Baptist. I, I think I went. I went there for about a month, and then you know prayed. And I told my wife, I was like, Babe, I think, you know, I think I found where God wants us to be. And uh, she was like, Really? I was like, Yeah. So, um, so she came with me one Sunday, and after service, she was like, This is it. She, you know, she loved the preaching, um, just the people, the mm-hmm. pastors. They have a very, um, very heavy reverence for scripture. They just, you know, they're just loving people. So we have been there. So, so I. You know, when I think about my exposure to Christianity, I'm like, okay, dude, you—you're um, literally a hybrid. You—you um, you, you heavily lean towards Reformed theology. Um, you grew up Catholic, um, so you have a deep sense and reverence for church. defined the Protestant way, but but I I got that love of church and that appreciation for the body of Christ. I actually, grew up Catholic. Um, you've been in the African American Christian tradition. And um now you're in this, you know, Southern Baptist or Baptist tradition. So yeah, so I, I define myself as a, um as a hybrid. But uh but yeah, so I don't know. That's I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but that's yes, my story. That's great.
0: Yeah. Um there's yeah. a lot of information and yeah. I'm sitting there thinking like, Oh wow, there's all those things that probably need to talk a little bit about, like you talked about um, Assemblies of God and, yeah. you know, obviously Catholic, and you said Reformed theology, yeah. Arminian, like all these different things that some people may not know what some of those mean. Right. Um, and yeah. we can give some context to those. But um, I love that, that you have a lot of just, I don't to say experience, but really just, um, I guess that's the only word I can think of at the moment, but like you've spent time in a lot of those places, know people. And I think that's always important because – you know, as we have these conversations on spiritual power, I'm going to be the one that's asking a lot of questions because I haven't had a lot of experience or uh, been exposed to people um, in some of those traditions. And so I wouldn't say I'm a skeptic, but maybe that's the best way to say it. So I, I think what's fun for me is like, I already have a thousand questions I want to ask, but I can tell Brett wants to say something. So.
1: Oh, you did? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I just had a comment. I think yeah. all that made him an expert on spiritual power. it good good goes back to the very beginning. Oh, that's the right. b- <laughs> I think it is true. Uh, no. Spend, no. <laughs> I, I still <laughs> Spent more so. time in these uh, <laughs> cool. traditions than... And, but but uh, to her point yeah that's a very it's, it's a very good yeah. point because I, I i like the fact and like i said at the beginning we at our church I know for a fact because uh, I've met people and know people that come from a variety of different backgrounds yeah. and uh, my wife grew up in Assembly of God Church so I'm very okay. familiar with that. Yeah. I grew up in a Methodist church which is very, very different and it's, it has more of a formalized thing like the Catholic Church does and then and I went to more of a mainline evangelical yeah. uh, church experience as well and yeah. then I went to school at a very charismatic uh, school So and, and spent Wednesday night church at a very charismatic place. That <laughs> uh, uh, place was hopping. So there, there was... Nice. So yeah, so that, and that's a helpful thing to kind of gain perspective and we can probably and i think we are going to have sarah be our resident skeptic and she can be I the can one handle that Ask the questions <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> the,
0: when you guys say charismatic give me some context for that um, for someone that's like oh yeah because like I, I i know what that means but if someone comes in and it's like what's charismatic mean how would you how would you answer that to them
2: i mean The word charismatic comes from scripture, you know, it's derived from gifts, grace, charisma. Mm. So, um, a charismatic is anyone, in, well, I would define charismatic as anyone who believes in the person and the power of the Holy Spirit, in the availability of the person and especially power of the Holy Spirit being present today, and his, his power being experienced and exercised by the believer. Today, so um, yeah. So if if you believe that the power of the Holy Spirit can be experienced and exercised by faith, to the honor of Jesus, to the honor of Jesus Christ, today. whether you know it or not, you basically fit that box called charismatic. Right, yeah.
1: Especially in the forms that uh, are more outward, like I would say, like either healing or tongues, prophecy of things like that, because there is, and we were going to talk about this, that there is two schools of thought when it comes to this. In, in the Reformed tradition, there is what's called cessationism, and then uh, a charismatic would believe in uh, continuationism. Right. I think that's the word they've yeah. decided to use. So, and cessationism is belief that the many of these outward things like um, healings, gifts, miracles, uh, speaking in tongues, prophecies, things of that nature have ceased with the establishment of the canon. Some people kind of draw the line in different places. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of the basics of I mean, a charismatic would believe would be a continuation. The, yeah, the, the it did continue, not stop. Yeah. It's still available. Yeah. And those things are still, yeah. just like in the book of Acts or
2: whatever, you can still walk in these things. And, and you know, I think it's interesting because a cessationist would say, "No, I I believe that if someone is sick, that we can pray for them, and God, um, God would heal them." The person would just say, "Would say, I just don't believe that you have Christians who have the gift of healing per right. se." That right.
0: makes sense. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Okay, so that'd be more focused on like I believe that God can do that. Can do exactly. Okay. That's a good way. I hadn't yeah. thought of it that way. So, uh, and we're talking about doing an episode on on cessationism and continuation. Yeah. Um, you guys have fun with that, Doctor <laughs> Doctor Austin. We're gonna see if he'll come on and talk to us. Um, but the what? So charismatic is more of a general term. So there's denominations, I guess, that would fit under that umbrella.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah I'd, I'd say so.
0: Okay, yeah. and then where does Assemblies of God fit in there?
2: The assemblies of God is Pentecostal. Okay. Yeah. In- and inside that
1: world, um, it, it, there's some make a divide between what is traditionally Pentecostal and what is more modern charismatic. They, they Some split that up. I only know this because I went to a charismatic school. <laughs> and, and, and there are more traditional Pentecostals, which mm-hmm. there was a movement of modern Pentecostalism that goes up back to, in Los Angeles, a place called Azusa Street, and, and uh, it started there. The charismatic movement is considered by some to be from the early 70s out of the mainline churches where there was episcopal priest that actually mm-hmm. spoke in tongues for the first time, and and uh, it it was a mainline movement originally, whereas um, the Azusa Street revival was like kind of a yeah, it was more like a street thing, wasn't it, uh, or uh, inner city even. It was of, yeah, yeah. I'd
2: venture to say uh Azusa Street was probably yeah, was definitely um, a, you know, just popular. It was just right. popular, you know, Christians who came together and prayed, and yeah. you know, William Seymour M- uh, and Charles Parham, and uh, and they experienced. You know, speaking in tongues, so that affirmed this doctrine um, that they'd come up with it. But yeah, and yeah. some would say those schools are divided
1: enough to where Pentecostals sometimes don't like Charismatics. <laughs> there, there, there's there's yeah. some battle lines that yeah. have been drawn in that, and I don't want to get down that sure. f- uh, role. But yeah. some yeah. people inside that movement make those distinctions a little more. But yeah. Assembly of God would consider themselves traditional Pentecostals,
2: yeah. is my understanding. Okay. Yeah, and, and you know, I think um, what, you know where you see the differentiation is. Um Pentecostals believe in general, will say that speaking in tongues is the evidence, right, the initial evidence that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, charismatics say um, Charism- charismatics say, no, I don't believe that necessarily. I just believe that speaking in tongues is one of the gifts that that is manifested through the life of a believer today, today. yeah.
0: Okay, and you guys are talking about, you said some dates that aren't that long ago. Um, mm-hmm. What about before that? I mean, obviously, this is something that's in scripture. We see it. Like, where where is that? I mean, is that something that feels more modern? And I say modern in the last 50 years, maybe uh, to 100 years? Or, like, is that something that's kind of always been there? We're just seeing it more talked about in a different way now?
2: <sighs> okay, that's. that's throw that's,
0: the, throw that's, that in. That wasn't well, in the questions I no, sent but, you. Yeah, that,
2: that's, <laughs> that's when it gets dicey, but. Um, certain scholars would say that the early church fathers that certain uh, that certain statements or writings made by the early church fathers affirm um, the manifestation of spiritual gifts post the apostles, mm-hmm. right? So, a lot of Pentecostal sc- scholars would can I s- argue that they can point to clear evidence in the writings of the early fathers that um, spiritual power, spiritual gifts were exercised, though not at, there wasn't this explosion until, I think it was uh, 1916, Azusa Street, right? So what they're saying is, no, this isn't something new. It may not have been as widespread as up until the 20th century, but it has always um, been around, you know, been around.
1: Yeah, and, they, and, and when it comes to miracles and things of that nature, Craig Keener's book on miracles, I highly recommend. I've recommended from the pulpit because it's just a great work. But he he makes the argument that starting with the book of Acts, the stories of miracles, as you trace them through history, sound very similar, the, the patterns right. that are used. And so you can make an argument as far as miracles of healing and things of that nature they can trace throughout history how yeah. the speaking in tongues thing and the emphasis on it and all that sometimes does gets affiliated with you know the ap- apostolic age jumping into azusa street and some people dispute that but uh, but in the ministry of john wesley which was in the 1800s there's evidence of you know everything from demons being driven out to the more supernatural things that you see in the book of acts uh, and you can trace those things in history but a lot of it leans heavy on the healing side
0: okay so can you, okay, we've talked about some of these, and obviously for, um, for our purpose and the messages we're talking about, we're going through 1 Corinthians 12 uh, through 14, and mm-hmm. can you kind of talk about some of those things? When we talk about spiritual power, what that kind of includes, at least in this context we're talking about, because we've talked about tongues, we've talked about um, healings, miracles.
1: Yeah, and my definition that I'm operating on uh, for this is God, spiritual power is God doing through you what only he can do. Uh, In other words, it requires God to do it. And that can be, there's a spiritual gift of teaching, uh, but I would argue that you can have a teacher stand up and do instruction, but I think we all know the difference between someone standing up and giving an instruction and someone who's obviously empowered by God to really take that instruction and apply it to, because I've had, I'm sure Ubi's had this, I, I think every speaker that's, or teacher or preacher, has had people come up to him afterwards and said, it was as if you were just talking to me. It was so, yeah. I yeah. always tell the story. I was literally sitting next to a guy who was not a believer and he was going through this situation where he had an affair with his wife and all this kind of stuff going on and he came in and visited church and I watched it happen. It was like from the first words the speaker, uh, the preacher gave was so much ap- applicable to his situation. I was astonished, and he asked me afterwards, "Did you tell that guy about me?" <laughs> and yeah, he really yeah. thought that. So yeah. that's the spiritual power coming through teaching. Uh, so, in other words, that's only something God can do. Uh, you know, the, the preacher that was up there, that he didn't have the. I didn't tell him a thing about the guy. He didn't know anything about it. He just opened up to the Book of Titus, and wow. started preaching. Yeah. And this guy was like, "Oh my goodness, they're reading my mail," kind of thing. (laughs) So that's and all of the spiritual gifts in in my mind have that element to. If I have a word of knowledge, it's a word of knowledge that I give to Ubi, but it's something that I can't know on my by myself. It's customized to Ubi what God knows is in Ubi. I don't know. I just say something like, "I just feel like I have a word," and I say, "It's you need to be encouraged in the air of hope" or something like that, and he'd go, "Oh my goodness." That's something you couldn't have known, if that okay. makes sense. So sure. to, to me, I kind of apply that definition simply. Uh, it's those things that only God can do. There's an element in there. It's, there's a human element, but there's an element that only God's able to bring to the floor.
2: And I'll let you flesh some of that out. Yeah. Well, no, I, I remember just... Um, not too long after uh, the Lord had saved me, I would be around, you know, fellow believers and we'd be fellowshipping. And this, this happened probably at least three or four times where I'd be, you know, in a group of, uh, you know, uh, Christians and we'd be fellowshipping and, you know, talking about scripture. And the question would come up, hey, how long have you been a Christian? And I'd say um, about, you know, about a year. And the response typically was, no, that's not possible. You, mm. you can't, could couldn't have been saved just about a year. And I, and I said, no, I've, you know, spring of 2000, I've just been saved, you know. A little the and I say, why are you so shocked that I've been saved for you know, just that time? And the response was, your, your ability to make scripture understandable and applicable to life does not correspond to how long mm-hmm. you say you've been a Christian you know and i remember back then i'd be you know i you know i'd read 1st corinthians 12 through 14 and romans 12 you know and peter talking about gifts so i remember you know i think this is something that a lot of um believers, I was gonna say new believers, but just believers in general, especially believers who have not been in the Pentecostal charismatic charismatic tradition, or actually you no know, believers that have been in that tradition, wrestle with this what's my spiritual gift. And that's why I was, you know, I was thinking my spiritual gift should be prophecy or healing or, you know, tongues or interpretation of tongues. And um but you know, but but at that point I didn't think of teaching <laughs> as a spiritual gift because right. you know you just you know you're just teaching the Bible. You're just talking about scripture. But um, what you know, what what people were affirming to me is, what you are doing is not normal. You are you are not you have not been through any kind of formal training at all. You've not um, apprenticed or me- you've not been mentored mm. under anyone, and yet you're talking about scripture and helping us understand scripture at a at, you know at a place where you really shouldn't be. So, um, so it, you know, so eventually it, it dawned on me that, hey, Ubi, you know, this is, this is definitely one of your spiritual gifts. And, you know, someone can hear that and say, well, Ubi, are you being, you know, are you being arrogant or are you being prideful? I'm like, no, it, it, it's important that you know your spiritual gift. And it's important that you recognize it's the Holy Spirit walking through you. And if you, if you truly believe it's the Holy Spirit walking through you, then you know it's not a pride thing because it's not, it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit who's making known his power and his presence through you for the benefit mm-hmm. of the church. You know, so it's, so it's, it's, not, it's not you. But, um, but yeah, you know, So I, th- yeah. I think that lines up with Brett's definition of, you know, of a spiritual gift. It's God doing through you what you couldn't do without him. Yeah.
0: Oh, this is great. I'm having so much fun. Like, I feel like all this information <laughs> is good because it's like, okay, I believe all that. Right. But then there's, you know, we get into some of these things that like, we talk about tongues, we talk about prophecy and all healing, um, uh, supernatural type healing. Those are things maybe that there, maybe there's more, but those are kind of the three that usually come up and people are like, well, I don't know about those. <laughs> <laughs> like I, yeah. I believe in all these other things. Like when we talk about teaching, you know, yeah. it's like, and, and I know we've had conversations. We talk about that. And when you said that it clicked in my mind, we talked about, you know, people affirming those things yeah. in you is Part of the whole process, really. I mean, because sometimes you don't realize, like you said, yeah, until uh, someone said, "Hey, I, you know, I can even think of you know, times here." Where Brett's like, "Hey, I see this gift in you. I want you to start making funny videos." I'm like, okay, I can do that. And you know, here we are, we're making a podcast now. But like, you know, those things kind of get affirmed from yeah. people. But there's always like, if if all of these things are, you know, scripture talks about one aspect of the spirit, their aspect of the one spirit, they're all an aspect of that. Um, why don't we see all of them more frequently? Yeah, Ubi, why don't we see them
1: more frequently? <laughs> but, or and
0: maybe the question is why why is it, I don't know, because uh, to me if there's so much you even said this like as you were going through it like you didn't realize this was even a debate or a conversation. Right. Like when did it become that? I mean, I guess when some of these things became more um like public or mainstream. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but
2: when I became more churchified,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's right,
2: and I mean then the good way. You know, the more yeah. the, you know, the more I fellowship with Christians. Um, you know, attended um, ministry school and then Bible college and seminary. Um, the more the conversations came up. Yeah, but um, I th- you know, I think the scripture is very clear that the Holy Spirit. You know, I think it's First Corinthians twelve that the Holy Spirit gives. As He wills, you know, which speaks to, um, which speaks to the sovereignty of God. God will give those gifts or distribute those gifts um, as He decides. So, so if if I live in a decade or you know a century, if I live in a time where a particular gift is not isn't as evident as another, um, that I I can't answer why, mm-hmm. right? But what I can speak to is that God has sovereignly determined. Um, to make one gift very evident in that place in that culture and has decided not to make another gift as available right Um, but you know yeah yeah
1: that's one thing i've discovered too the longer i've lived is i think it happens more than people give it credit for Uh, one thing i know for sure like speaking in tongues is a very good example uh, i just discovered Fresh and new, uh, a friend of mine that had that in their lives, and I didn't know it, and. Yeah. Only because we were talking about it to even come out with that and said, yeah, this has been my experience. And he kind of told me the whole story. I'm like, you're really, I I had no idea. And there's, and I've discovered that through the years that that is the story of a number of people. Yes. But there's, you, you go to churches, you can go to churches where they surface that publicly, but a lot of churches don't. We haven't traditionally, we haven't surfaced it publicly, but I can I know there's quite a few around our church that have that privately and yeah. express that privately. And then things like knowledge or wisdom or what we what we define as prophecy, I think that kind of thing goes on a lot more than we name it. That yeah, you know, someone will give you something that, and they wouldn't say, "I'm an, I'm about to deliver a word of knowledge or wisdom." <laughs> They'll typically just give you wisdom, and, and it's from the Lord, and it's a really amazing gift, but we don't place that label on it, and so we don't notice that. I think that's true of prophecy as well. People may speak into your life, and they might not even call it a prophecy, yeah. but they may express something that's like definitely very prophetic, uh, but because we don't put the label on it, it may be thought of as not
2: being around much. I 100% agree. Oh, that's good. Totally. I'm glad. That's yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think... Um, I, I, and what do you want to call it? A label, you know, or a title? I, I I think that there is some benefit to um, to labeling it, just or at least affirming that person, right? You know, if it's if the person's um, I'm going to use a less um, a less controversial gift, okay? Um, <laughs> if the person is hospitable, mm-hmm. I think it's important that when people start to notice that in them, that they actually tell that person, hey, you, you, you're extremely hospitable, and if they want to use the gift of hospitality, then do that, because what it does is, you know, the, the truth is affirmed in community, Sure. right? So the, the more we recognize the gifts, among us, we affirm them so that those people know, and are encouraged to actually operate in those gifts. So, if there's someone that has the word of wisdom, you might not want to call it the word of wisdom, but you could say, "Hey, dude, you, you know, you, God has made you wise, you know, or God has made you knowledgeable, um, you know, you know, let's affirm it somehow." And I, so I think that helps, you know, that that makes the label, if you want to call it that, important, right? Yeah. Um, if if you think someone's you know, if you think someone's always coming with a word from God and, and that person's always on point, you know, always reading your mail, or always speaking life into your situation, then, hey, you know, if, if then say, hey, bro, you know, you might be a prophet, you know, um, whether the person wants to receive it or not. But you hear that enough times and, and then you start to say, hey, you know, maybe <laughs> this is what God has, um, has empowered me or is empowering me to do for the, for the good of the church yeah it's because
1: it, 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 it does work that other way. like you I think we all instinctively know certain people in our lives that we would label that way. yeah there's some that I uh, I was just talking about a, a, a mentor of mine. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and we referenced uh, a gentleman that we all know. His nickname was Wisdom. I mean, that was just his reputation with everyone. He just had, he was a preacher, he was a teacher and all that. But everybody went to him for what we labeled as Wisdom. I mean, because he just has this feel about him. I watched another preacher. uh, I I think I would call it the gift of mercy. I watched someone visit someone in the hospital where I visit a lot of people in the hospital. But I wish he could visit everybody in the hospital because he was so expert at it and so beautiful at it and so gifted at it. That was the Lord, it was. And I would, I probably should put that label of that was the gift of mercy or yeah. that was the gift of compassion or whatever. And I also know that if I got sick tomorrow, I know who I'd call. There's yeah. people, yeah. you know, yeah. we all have people in our lives. Yes. When they pray, somehow <laughs> something happens. Yeah. Uh, my mother-in-law's that way. I mean, we just, uh, and she most likely does have some kind of gift in the area of healing or miracles, that kind of thing.
2: I'll tell you, something happened, um, this happened a few years ago. Um, I'm at home with my wife and kids, we're just hanging out and I get a call from a friend and it's like, "Hey, Ubi, I really need you to show up. Um, you know, someone very, very close to me is is showing some is manifesting some very strange things." Oh. <laughs> All right, now we're getting <laughs> some good very idea. very strange. Things. <laughs> and the guy says, "I think this person is demon possessed."
1: Oh, oh dear. Okay. okay.
2: And um and you know, I'm thinking, okay, so I'm, about, I'm like, hey, you know what, dude, give me a few minutes. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to change and I want to be there. And so I hang up. I'm getting ready to go to this person's place. And I just, you know, there's just this sense of, hey, Ubi, you probably shouldn't do that. Um, so I'm like, you know, so, I, so I'm like, okay, God, what's this about? And someone else I know comes to mind like of course that's who that's that's exactly who we should call so I, so i call that person say hey you're going to be getting a call soon from someone and then i call my friend who's you know in this situation i say hey here's who you need to call call them explain to them what's going on and have them come over they call the person that person goes over to the house and the next day my friend's like dude you should have been there he, <laughs> he said it was literally A demonic this person was demon possessed and the person was displaying demonic tendencies and this person shows up prays lays hand on this person and it's been over a decade this person's in this person's in evansville um they would they can they would testify yes this is who i was this is what happened to me this person came to my house prayed for me And I was free.
0: Oh, my goodness. And I was free.
2: But, you know, I share that story to say, you know, the reason I was going to go wasn't because I believed I was an exorcist. I, I didn't believe that. But I believed the person I told my friend to call, I knew that about that person. This person... And, you know, this person's a Christian. They have this gift of, they have this gift of radical faith. They, you know, they're not afraid of Satan. Like, they're all about, and I said, call this person. And, of course, the person shows up. And God does, through this person, what God in his mercy and grace would do. Um, but, but that happened because I had heard about this person's reputation from other people. And then I had gotten to meet this person and over time, you know, having, hanging out with them, I was like, this person is just a Christian like you. They love Jesus like you. But when it comes to this area of encountering demons, there's a switch that flips and their understanding and how they respond and act is nothing like you would, right? (laughs) So yeah, so I was like, okay. You know, so oh,
1: sure. Yeah. And that was, I didn't think if you would have sent yourself after all, exactly. Right. <laughs> and weren't operating that right, way. You know, and so
2: person 10 years later would still
1: be, in the best. Still be you, yeah. know, yeah. you
2: know, you know so yeah. Oh, I might've ended up spending seven hours begging Jesus <laughs> to show up. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is, you know, it's something I call body chemistry. It's, know know your place in the body of Christ, know your gift in the body of Christ, if you know your place in the body of Christ and you know what God has empowered you to do, then you can encourage others, then you can be more useful because you know what your gifting is, but also you can actually affirm others because you know what their gifting is you know that's you know I think Paul talks about hey um if the eye says. I'm not an eye, is it still not an eye? is it still not a part of the body? you know so I think okay. you know body chemistry is essential, you know especially when it comes to um to uh, supernatural power and supernatural gifts.
0: I love that, and the sense too of like for you, that experience because you know the person yeah. who's telling you the story you believe them. Like, you know, you have relationship with them. We talk about that a lot. Like how do people believe things that you tell yeah. them or how do we believe things that we know to be true? And it's because, you know, even accounts that we read in the Bible are because people trusted other people to write these things down and we yeah. believe what they said. Um, and so that's that's something that I think is gonna be fascinating for me as we have more of these conversations of people that I know that are gonna share experiences or people that have been, you know, we've had someone on the podcast before talk about their experience with tongues and I'm like, I didn't know that. Um, <sighs> and it's like, it changes the way that you see it. It's like, oh, okay, I know you. You know, I know who right. you are. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's important, even as we have these conversations and learn more about them, is that and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but even in our church, and I think just people, I love that you both said this, that these things happen without them being labeled as that, you know, that there's probably a lot of things that I'm like, oh yeah, that that's just something that happens in the church, but I don't label it as that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important to note and to think about, because really what we're saying is that many different views and beliefs of how we're doing this are going to coexist inside of the church and we have to figure out how to have these conversations so we understand what we're talking about so that's the hope i think of of episodes like this um as as we continue these conversations so um we have a a few more minutes and i did want to ask this too and i don't mean it as a negative but like i think there's something too where we'll say like i have seen someone say that this is a spiritual gift or a spiritual power of some sort and yet in your mind, you know, even the, the scripture says, you know, that someone's saying, like, this is either of God or it's not, people being able to discern that. Like, have you ever seen something like that where you've been like, I don't think that's really of God? And maybe that's too much of a judgment to be able to make, or I don't even know if I asked the question correctly, but I know we talked a little bit about, mm-hmm. like, how is there a way, because I think there's sometimes we see that and we're like, that's not real. Right. Um, maybe, I think people maybe, and as we talk about spiritual power, are going to think about, Some things maybe they've seen, televangelist type things, you know, that they're like, I don't know if I believe in that. Um, And that's not everything, but I think that's where a lot of our minds go when we think about these things. Is there anything that comes to mind for you?
2: Yeah, I I think, um, one, does it line up with scripture? Um, Two, okay, so. I believe Moses dropped a staff and it turned into a snake and I believe that that was God. But I also believed that Pharaoh's magicians replicated Hmm. that same feat uh, demonically, right? So if if I believe in supernatural power, I believe in supernatural power, right? I believe that God, you know, that God's spirit uh, manifests powerfully through believers. But I also believe that the devil is at work, that he comes to cause disorder, that he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, and that Jesus, even, even in the gifts, comes that we might have life, that the church might be built. So, so yes, there is, um, there are false prophets, there are false teachers, there are false signs and wonders in the sense that they are demonic, and then there are false in the sense that they're not real at all. Um, how, how can you tell one from another? Well, hey, you know, someone could literally be manifesting supernatural power. Okay. But what does the supernatural power um, communicate? Does it bring glory to Jesus Christ? Does it build the church? Or does it build that person? Does it call you to love Jesus more? Or does it call you to turn away from Jesus, right? And, and you can discern those things from scripture, you know what? Okay, yeah, I see some kind of supernatural power, but what is this person asking me to do? What is this supernatural power affirming? Is he teaching something, and is this affirming something that he's saying? But then there's also the gift of discerning, right? I think First uh, Corinthians 13, uh, 12 speaks of discerning of spirits. Right. Um. That's not just you know that's not just specific to uh discerning the spirit of a teaching, you know, is this, is this heresy or is this scriptural teaching? But it's also literally discerning a spirit, right? Okay. Um, and that's so, so I believe, right, that I can discern from scripture. I can look at a person's character. I can look at a person, how a person speaks. I can look at what, you know, whatever that, you know, what I, ca- I can consider what they're asking me to believe or do, right? Following, this supernatural display but then the holy spirit of jesus right the spirit of jesus living in me will tell me or will communicate to me somehow that that is not him because he loves me he cares for me he wants me to be protected um i remember a few years ago i mean this was before i moved to evansville so we're talking uh we're talking over 18 years ago I was in a Barnes and Nobles. Mm. Don't forget, I, I, at this point, I had, I had no kind of formal theology, Bible college training at all. I picked up a book called The Gospel of Thomas. I had no idea. I, had, I was like, this is really cool. <laughs> and I'm, you know, so I start reading the book. About maybe a minute into reading this book, my belly, I, like, I'm hurting. I am sick inside. I'm, I mean, as I was almost turned over. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? And a thought just comes into my mind. Well, maybe if you put this book down, you will feel better. And it was the most ridiculous thought to me. It was just completely ridiculous. The, to me, there was no connection between the book and my belly, but I was hurting. And I, I was like, okay, this is weird. And I put the book down. And as soon as I put the book down, I was fine. Oh, wow. No joke. It just like, you know, it kind of like just faded in less than 10 seconds. Well, fast forward to a few years later, you know, I'm now in a a ministry school and I'm studying and I discover that the gospel of Thomas, right, is this pseudo gospel, right? And so I look back now and in hindsight, I recognize that was the Holy Spirit somehow calling my attention, to the fact that you are too immature to be looking at this crap, <laughs> right? Yep. Um, and that's just one story. I, I remember a time when I was with some friends, and um, this was just a group of guys. We'd meet once a week. We came from different churches, and we'd pray and encourage each other. And one day we were praying, and and you know we'd invite different people. So a friend came with a friend, and while we were praying, you know, different people among us, you know, are now you know. Um, encouraging or sharing revelation from god so i I don't know what it was but this guy you know as we are praying this guy starts to say things that just that are just totally off and i look up and i'm like okay this is weird and another friend of mine looks up and he bangs the table and he says stop that's what he says to this guy he says stop and he says do you believe that jesus christ is lord and that he came and then he says, and that he came in the flesh. And this guy says things and he said, That is not what I asked. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and He came in the flesh? And the guy would not answer the question. So my friend starts to pray for him. It's like the and as he's praying for him, it's like the guy comes back to himself. And later on, he calls this guy aside and he starts to talk to the guy and say, "Hey, I don't know what made you do what you were doing, but that wasn't Jesus." So later on, we ask him, "What made you, huh. you know, what made you ask that specific question?" And he said, "Well, you know, in the, in the in the letters of John, John says any spirit that doesn't confess that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is not the spirit of Jesus." you know so um you know so it, it just it, it's it's really interesting I, uh, yeah I, I i could you know i get excited about that. That i just great. thought that was, was well, sure really
1: you cool. can yeah. and, and kind of seal that down the, the new testament is very open about the fact that the counterfeit does exist um, but sometimes we overreact and say because the counterfeit exists the real doesn't exist and we yes. kind of throw out exactly. but the new testament is That's very consistent about warning you and giving you those tests like that yes. okay the count, you're going to encounter the counterfeit here's how to know here's how to respond exactly. and all that and it's not throwing it all out you know Jesus said there'd be false miracles and false prophets and all kinds of things yeah. there's, there's all kinds of falsehood yeah. so we need to give ourselves permission to say both exist and I'm going to try, I'm going to discern what is real and, and right. And I need to know that there's going to be the fake out there. And one of the things that helps me uh, makes me suspicious of that which is false is when I'm told I can't try to evaluate it. I can't I can't apply exactly. discernment or test to it. When there's a reason, that's the mark of a cult. Typically, typically cults will say you don't have any business examining this. You're asking too many questions. Well, I, God's not afraid of my questions. If it's true, then the truth has nothing to be afraid of at all. And so you can ask as much as you want. And that's why I've even said in our church the other day, like if someone comes to you with the word, you're not required right. to call it God. You're actually you're actually obligated to say, if someone comes to you with a prophecy, great. Don't don't despise it, but test it. Yeah. And if it's the Lord, receive it. And if it's not, be gracious and say, Okay, that's really
2: not something I'm gonna take into my life right now. And the charismatic phrase is put it on the shelf. <laughs> put it on the shelf. Is that right? Put, yeah. Put it. put it on the, it, hey, it if it on the, the shelf. Give it, it every chance. If I had to it, will count. Put it on the shelf. Put it on the shelf. It It might be. If it doesn't yeah. come to pass. I right. absolutely.
0: Well, I love that I can ask questions here. It's uh, one of the <laughs> things I love. I keep getting to ask questions. Um, Ubi, just as we kind of wrap up, as people are kind of exploring this, maybe for the first time, or maybe just getting more comfortable, even asking questions, which I love that we're creating a space for that. And the love, I do want to say this before we wrap up, if you have any questions um, and you'd love to ask Ubi or Brett or me, not that I can answer any of them, but um, we can go. To, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. Those come straight to me um, and I can and send those on. But um, what are some resources or things that you would recommend for people as they're exploring some of this? Um, just from your experience, anything that that helped you that even if it's early on or kind of getting deeper either
2: um, i would say I would say g- the certainty of god's love um you know that's that's something that a Christian should always hold to, but I think it's a it's essential that we apply that as we explore spiritual gifts because at least for me, you know, as, as, I, as I was exposed to this and as I wrestled with it and came into a place of peace with it, um, the, the one thing that really guided me and gave me certainty and assurance was God's love. I, I, I trusted that God loved me too much to give me a satanic gift, hmm. right? I think that's an oxymoron. Uh, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. As it, you know, I, 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 I trusted that God loved me too much to allow that happen. And I trust that God loves me enough to give me discerning as to when it's Him and when it's not Him. Um, he may do it supernaturally. He may send brothers and sisters. But I can rest in His love, right? So, um, yeah. So, so that, so that, that is huge. And God's love compels me to want to bless His people. If I love God and I recognize that only God can build his people yeah. and that he has chosen to use his people to build his people, then I should seek God for the ability to do that. Right? And that's what the spiritual gifts are. The ability of the Holy Spirit working through the believer for the sake of the community of believers to the glory of Jesus Christ. So if I, if I possess that certainty of God's love, it will lead me in my exploration and seeking to understand better spirit, supernatural power and uh, spiritual gifts. But it will actually even compel me further. It will compel me to my sober use <laughs> of spiritual gifts and power and how I interact with them.
0: That's really good. I don't know what else to say.
2: That's right.
1: There is nothing else to say. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Ubi, I have to say thank you for being on the no, podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank, thank you for, um, for yeah, spending it. time with us and just being able to be so open and, and allowing us to ask some questions. And um, I'd love for you to take kind of the last few minutes and tell us a little bit about um, Lock. Tell us a little bit about Lock.
2: Yeah, uh, well, Locke United means uh, Learners of Christ the King United. Our mission is twofold. It's a discipleship. And fostering the unity of the body of Christ in truth, so um, just you know, Christian training and you know, working in those areas where we see the church divided, um, as it has to do with church unity. We focus in four areas. Politics, because we believe the church is politically divided, we don't tell Christians who to align with, but we speak to how to the posture of their heart and their spirit as they engage in politics. Um, We also work in race because we believe the the church is racially divided, and uh, you know we teach Christians you know how to live out the reconciliation of Jesus Christ within. Um, ethnicities. Uh, we also um, address denominationalism. We see very clearly that the church is theologically divided and we create what we call safe spaces where we can actually pray and discuss those uh, discuss those differences so that we come into agreement um, in a place that is sensitive and respectful. Um, but we also um, we also work in a, you know, generationalism because when we look at the church we see that um, the church is generationally divided but we believe that it's actually a strength. So, um, yeah, so that's what Lock United is about. You can find us on Facebook, um, Lock United, or you can visit our website, lockunited.org.
0: And you can also find Sessions on Life anywhere you find podcasts and new episodes every week. So great job.
2: Brett. That cool name
1: uh, that we missed out on. (laughs) (laughs) Sessions on Life, yeah. Should have Sessions on Life. Love it.
0: Brett, anything to close out with?
1: Yeah, just I, I would encourage everybody. We were talking about resources. I'm going to continue just to challenge our, our church body to read First Corinthians 12 through 14. Remember, it's one long discussion of this topic. So try to read it all in one setting. Listen to the flow of thought. Familiarize yourself with it because it will relax you. I think uh, over on the spiritual gifts, and uh, that's uh, that will accompany what we're talking about on Sunday. And uh, I, I, I think if you'll do that, and, and, and the two things put together, will will put you in a place where the things that we were talking about you'll be a lot more um willing to and relaxed about uh allowing these things in your life
0: i was reading this morning and i just want to read the the first verse again because i think it makes sense of what we're hoping to do here it says brothers and sisters regarding your question about the special abilities and the spirit gives us i don't want you to misunderstand this and i think that's the whole point of the series and for even these conversations of the podcast is we want to we don't want to misunderstand it and we want to understand each other better so appreciate ubi and um Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we will see you next time.